All right, hello and welcome. We are getting toward the end of this summer encounter. Uh, we've got lessons 12 and 13 left, and these are written by Dr. D. And so I want to say thank you to Dr. Qualls for his goodness in writing and the overwhelmingly good response that we had from him. Um, but now we're going to switch to lamentation. And so we have structured these psalms, hopefully, to where we could practice that uh, old acronym about how to pray. So you had adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and now we come to supplication. Supplication meaning is we bring our um, request to God, uh, whether they're requests for, you know, good things or healing or help from trouble, so on and so forth. Um, so, anyway, uh, Psalm 142, we've entitled Lamentation, A Cry to God. And so this is going to be for August 22nd, our prayer for illumination. God of mercy, you promise never to break your covenant with us. In the midst of the multitude of words in our daily lives, speak your eternal word to us, that we may respond to your gracious promises with faithfulness, service, and love. Amen. And our memory verse comes from Psalm 142, 1 through 2. With my voice I cried to the Lord. With my voice I make supplication to the Lord. I pour out my complaint before him. I tell my trouble before him. So then that leads us in to Psalm 142, Lamentation. Uh, we have a video here that Dr. D said you might want to start your class with. and I'll leave that to, to you guys if you plan to do that. Um, but Dr. D starts out uh, the lesson with an illustration about a time when uh, things didn't go quite according to plan. Oftentimes people in your Sunday school class, maybe you've experienced the fact that you think you're doing things right, you're doing good for God, you're doing good for other people, you're doing good for the church, and then you're persecuted somehow, or you're falsely accused, and, and you don't know how to process what's going on in your mind. It happens, you know, a lot. Sometimes you deserve uh, the criticism, sometimes you don't, and sometimes you don't necessarily know why things have happened. And so this uh, psalm, 142, is entitled A Maskell of David, and that can be understood as a contemplation or instruction. And so when David is writing this psalm, he's contemplating the situation that he was in or is in, or he's receiving instruction from God on how to proceed. So what I did, I started my Sunday school out uh, asking the question, how do you respond when someone does something you, know, you feel unjust or when you're being persecuted or so on? Uh, in light of, you know, when you read in the New Testament, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Or when you're just feeling down, like, right, it's not, it doesn't even have to be about judgment. Do you slide into a depression and anxiety or, or does it wreck your day and does it immobilize you from doing other good things? I, uh, I can do that. I, I can get um, in the dumps and it's hard for me to, to do my job real well. Um, and the other thing about, uh, is, so in, in America, we have a, we take a lot of anxiety and depression medicines, like a lot of them, and I'm not uh, knocking that so much, except to say those in and of themselves aren't going to help all the time, and much like when my doctor said I had diabetes, I can take a pill, uh, but I also was told I had to exercise and eat better, because just a pill medicine itself is is probably not going to fix the problem, but uh, when you take medicine and then you associate it with healthy habits, then you can live a better life. And so uh, that's, I think, how we see this. Um, our 
culture is not one that deals with stress or anxiety or adversity real well. We, we kind of have gotten comfortable. And so we don't deal with adversity. And I think what the Psalms do and what Christian tradition, when we talk about the spiritual practice of lamentation, it helps us and instructs us to take ourselves before God in our rawness and our pain or whatever it may be. And then we invite God in and to just be in communion with God, learning from the situation we're in, leaning upon God for the security. Maybe it's uh, a way in which God refocuses us away from what we see, but then trains us by faith to look toward God for all the good that God is going to do uh, in our lives. So that's where, um, oh, and I'll say this, like the, the biggest rise in anxiety and depression and the use of anxiety and depression medicine is in young folks, like 12 to 17. Um, and so I, I can say when I was younger, I didn't start church until I was 19 or 20, but I know we didn't talk a lot about how to deal with your um, deepest disappointments before God. We, we just never did, but it's a practice of the uh, Hebrew peoples, and it's a, it was an early practice of the Christian church. So anyway, all right, so the, to explore this scripture... Um, David's in a cave. David has tried to do everything he's supposed to do. He's been faithful to the kingdom. He's you know won battles. He's been faithful to King Saul. He he helps when Saul is in his rages. He plays his harp and it and it calms him down. He's trying to do right before God, um, and all of this leads to Saul wanting to kill him and hunting him down. And so David flees and he's in the middle of this cave and he writes this psalm, which I'll. Go ahead and read. I'll start at verse 3 because uh, we've already read 1 and 2. When my spirit is faint, you know my way. In the path where I walk, they have hidden a trap for me. I look on my right hand and see. There is no one who takes notice of me. No refuge remains to me. No one cares for me. I cry to you, O Lord. I say you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Give heed to my cry, for I am brought very low. Save me from my persecutors. For they are too strong for me. Bring me out of prison, so that I may give thanks to your name. The righteous will surround me, for you will deal bountifully for me. And so, while David's sitting in his cave, he's taking his troubles before God, and then he's imagining a solution in which God uh, acts miraculously and restores David to a sense of fellowship before God and before his fellow uh, Israelites. So that's where we're at in our... Uh, in our exploring the scripture section, I asked my uh, Sunday school class because I just wanted to learn. I teach this to the high school kids, and I just asked them, like, what does prayer work, and why does prayer work? You'll be surprised with some of the answers. But David, in some way, shape, or form, thought he's got these troubles. They didn't have any kind of medicines for depressions or anxieties or things like that back in the day. And so the only option that you had was to pour out in honesty your your feelings before God. And then somehow this led David to faith and some some type of assurance from God, security, if you will. Um, so then, um, the digging deeper section, uh, we talk about... Um, David always doing the right thing, uh, regardless if anybody else was with him 
or if you know he received any kind of reward or not. And that's a tough way to live. It's the right way to live, but it's a tough way to live. I'm going to read uh, from page 81, second paragraph underneath the Digging Deeper um, heading. Dr. D writes, There are many times when fellow Christians, and perhaps even your family, will not stand with you. They may distance themselves from you because of your convictions. They may criticize you for your faith. David had felt the sting of ridicule from his brothers when he went out to fight Goliath, 1 Samuel 17:28. Nevertheless, he went. He did the right thing. He suffered setbacks, yes. Disappointments were glaring in his path, but he lived out the destiny because he prayed through his own insufficiency and vulnerability and learned to depend upon the sufficiency of the rock of his salvation, God Almighty. The key part of that prayer is right here. Set me free from my prison, that I may praise your name. His prayer was tied with his praise. His delivery and his destiny are bound inextricably. And so, um, the digging deeper section, we want to bring out the fact that when you live for God, very oftentimes we'll have troubles in this world. And then how do we respond to those troubles? We can respond by sight, by power, by the strength of our own hand, or we find God as our redeeming rock, if you will, our fortress. These, that's why those uh, words are so prominent in the Psalms. There's two ways that you can go. You can operate in your own strength or you um, receive support and strength from the Almighty. Uh, and those bring out two different ends, if you will. Uh, and then the discussion question that he has in the Digging Deeper section is, what adversities have you faced because of your faith and how did that experience lead you to praise? And I think that's that's a key part. Everything that we go through, like, you know, if God works for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose, then everything that we experience is to be leading us to be better worshipers. And so what, again, a lament does is pauses in the middle of something difficult so that we can offer praise to God. Uh, we see where we can praise God anyway. Um, all right, and then the uh, learning from the scripture, witness of the church. Um, I think what I just wanted to do there in my class, I just highlighted uh, how you can uh, pray, if you will. Like when you're writing a lament, um, how you structure it. Right, and then at least in this prayer, you see uh, this same kind of similar uh, structure. So I would invite your class then to write a lament this week, or maybe just take a minute and let them kind of fill out this this form, if you will. I've got five, you know, five um, pieces that are in every lament, and the first one is is that there's an assurance that we are loved by God. So in this text, it was, um, with, my, uh, with my voice I cry to the Lord, I make supplication to the Lord, I pour out my complaint before him, I tell my trouble before him. There's this sense in which we know that we're loved by God. God is our heavenly parent, so we can go to him. That God cares about me personally, right? That's when David says, I pour out this complaint before me. So one is we are loved by God. We, we acknowledge that. And that's where our prayer starts. The second is that God cares about us personally. In other words, it's not like a liturgical prayer that we say corporately in church, 
but we can get down to the nitty-gritty when we pray to God. Then we name the trouble specifically, right? So we are loved by God. God cares about us personally. Now we name the trouble specifically. We really get in. What is our feelings? Why are we feeling this way? Who's causing it? And all these things. It gives us a chance to really reflect on what's happening in our lives. And we pin it. We pray it to God. And then fourth, after you've named the trouble, then you request the help. Knowing that you don't really know what the help might be, but you entrust yourself to God, who is our good parent, who wants good for us, who does good for us, and that God will bring us out. But you can name the help, or you can request the help, whatever it may be, right? Health, uh, family members, um, situations at work, whatever it is, request help. And then we end with praise because of all the previous four things that have happened. We know that God loves us. We know that God cares about us personally. We know that God is in us in the midst of trouble. And we ask for help from God. And then we end with praise to God. So, um, like verse 7 in this psalm, Bring me out of prison so that I might give thanks to your name. The righteous will surround me, for you will deal bountifully with me. Alright, and then, so far as the uh, applying the scripture, um, what I asked my class to remember is is that God brings us out of things so that we might be a blessing or an answer to prayer or you know a tool in the answer to prayer to someone else's problems so oftentimes God answers prayers through other people through the fellowship of the church through family members whatever it may be I gave them an illustration that when I was a poor college kid in seminary in St. Louis um, I did not know anything about propane tanks had no clue. I was a city boy. You just got a bill in the mail. You paid things as you went. Well, I ran out of propane in the middle of a winter terrible in St. Louis. And so I called my uh, landlord at the time. And I said, hey, I don't have any heat. And he said, well, did you get it filled up? I was like, get what filled up? I didn't know you did that kind of thing. Anyway, they filled it up. And back then it was still 520 bucks. I was living off $20 a week to eat. Um, and I and I, and I prayed to the Lord. Um and between my parents and some good people in, in, the, in the church I was going to, uh, I had heat for that year, but I didn't know what to do. I, it, was, it was a terrible thing. But it was other people. It was my parents. It was some folks from the church that you know, kept me afloat and made sure that I didn't suffer too much. We, too, can be part of, um, be part of answering someone's prayer, someone's lamentation. We can always at least be a friend. Um, all right, I'm going to show uh, a little bit of this video uh, from Dr. D. Let's get over here. And Dr. Qualls talking about lamentation. Um, so then, uh, Dr. Qualls, you had started to talk about it. And then, Dr. D, you're the one that got into these two lessons. And, and I'm, I'm afraid, like Doc Qualls said, maybe sometimes we're not comfortable with the rawness of of complaining or feeling hurt before God. Sometimes people think that like if they feel bad or if they're in pain, they don't go to God because maybe they don't have enough faith or that but in the Psalms, boy, if somebody was having a problem, they let God know about it. <laughs> if they were hurting, if David was hurting, he took it to God and and he would use vivid language to express his grief and even disappointment. And so um, the last two chapter or the last two sections of the encounter for the for the summer is 
is what is lamentation? What does it mean to cry out to God in pain? And then how, and then the reason why I have the communal part, the first part was from Psalm 142, uh, just a cry to God. But the, the second Psalm was meant to talk about how we as a church or as people, how, how do we have a collective lament or collective grief and try to deal with it in such a way that um, it doesn't lead to strife all the time or people two groups being mad at each other how but how do we communally lament as well so anyway i will let uh dr d do you want to start this one since you you got these two last lessons and i'll let you let uh, you yes yes I, yes i can lamentation like you uh rightly put us in the right path as you i mean coming in our pains coming in our brokenness uh before god to let god that let god know that we are hurting and when we are hurting, we are hurting. It's no point trying to mask things. It's no point trying to sugarcoat things. I come from a culture that uh, uh, everything is rooted uh, in faith and in religion. Even when people are dying, it's like, a, uh, how are you doing? Uh, the response is, oh, God, God, thank God, I'm doing okay. Uh, I'm like, you're not really doing okay. You haven't given some money for you to be able to uh, yes, I know, but I'm, I'm doing okay. It's like, want to be seen as people of faith. We want to be seen as a, a strong believer, strong in people. Because, I mean, I don't believe there is a strong or a weak believer. It's either you believe or you don't believe. Uh, and once you believe, your belief might be, your, your faith might be shaky. Might be trying to figure out how is God going to do this. But, uh, you can tell God, I believe, help my shaky <laughs> belief. Um, so we, we lament when we go through, when we go through, when we're in our wilderness. And um, a lot of times, even when we're in the wilderness, uh, we are not there to be punished. We are there to uh, to, to learn something, to, to see what we probably don't see if we are not in the wilderness. Let's take an example of being in the wilderness and not having water. We saw how the Israelites, how they reacted to Moses, how they were mad at all. They won't have water to drink. This water is, is bad. They brought us here to kill us and all that. Uh, they never saw the importance of water, even while they had it. Even when God was giving them manna, they said they don't like this. Uh, some of them, some translations called stupid manna. We don't, we don't want this stupid food. They wanted onions and cucumbers that, that they are used to. It's like, as human beings, we kind of uh, get used to what we want the way we want it. And when we are in a wilderness, when we are in a place of sorrow, of lament, begin to see things differently. Like, okay, things are not usually like this for everyone or even for us all of the time. And we uh, ought to be able, by the grace of God, to say, God, I mean, I am talking. I don't like this. I don't come to my aid. Uh, what have I done? I don't even know what I've done. I mean, I mean, for us just to be sincere with God, uh, like uh, I love uh, scriptures uh, in the Old Testament where we see that, okay, like David cover himself with ashes. I mean, when they are like lamenting, I mean, put themselves in a situation that is not a situation of comfort. We want to take care of our comfort no matter what we are going through. Like now that we are we're in the, in the Lent, Lent season, um, I mean, I'm not saying that you have to show everybody what you're doing. I mean, do it in the closet of your room, but then you don't have to be like, okay, 
oh, I just want to look great all the time, you know, that I want to be who I was even when. Don't have no sense of depravity uh, sometimes. And we need that so that we can be in a place of brokenness, not because you want to be broken, not because it's, uh, it's a ritual or a tool. I mean, uh, I take that back. Not because it's uh, a must-do thing that will get us closer to God. No. But because it's something that we do for us to be able to pay closer attention. I mean, no matter what we do, it's not going to make God change. It's not going to make God love us more or love us less. And if we, I mean, whatever we do, it's not by works. So when we do the works, the works that we do, we are doing it for our own self, not for God. And when we do it for our own self and we know better, just like we uh, said at the beginning that our motive of either you are wise or you are foolish uh, runs through the gamut of the Bible. And so it's always important for us to uh, know our limitation, know that we are aware. In stress and ask God who can be our help to help us. All right, so that is uh, all we're going to get to today since my dog is now taking care of himself with loud noises. Um, preach well, one more lesson after this week uh, in this song quarter, and then of course. Um, we have our new fall encounter, so hopefully you've got that. Uh, if not, you can get it on Kindle. You can also download it uh, from the website uh, at the bookstore as a digital download. Um, I will say the digital download, it is just a PDF, so it matches uh, its page numbers with what's in the print. The Kindle edition doesn't match the page numbers, and there's nothing I can do about that as much as I'd like to. But you can go to Amazon. And you can type in Fall Encounter 2021, and you'll see it listed there. Download it on your Kindle app. Uh, it's a lot more interactive. So, like, if there's um, the hyperlinks within the text, you can just click on those. It'll go to, if you're on a computer or if you're on a laptop or something, it'll go to those videos that show. And so it makes it a little bit easier. Um, obviously, you can book, bookmark things and highlight things and all that jazz with the Kindle edition. But anyway, may the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen.